Our sponsor for today's episode is Ma Energy. If you want to game all night long, Ma Energy is your best friend. Their energy drink formula blend provides all the caffeine and B12 vitamins you might need to go all night long and to avoid the post-caffeine high. Plus, it only has 5 calories per serving. 5 calories. You can also check out their blue light glasses and their shaker bottle for whatever other accessories you might need if you want 10% off. Be sure to use the link in our episode description and use discount code MA10 at checkout. That's discount code MA10 and be sure to use the link in our description. So (laughs) girls were not allowed in the home because of things you had done or that was a because of what i've done like, <laughs> you know or yeah, what was done so to i was you. a predator at the age of seven hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the tcc show my name is kai this is noah <laughs> <laughs> i was waiting for jb to break I didn't break, did I? That's JB. <laughs> now That's you get Noah. to introduce him. David Libby. Everybody. Yeah. What's Woo. up? How's it going? David Libtard. How you doing? Wow. Jeez. Could go without that. Jeez. Right off the bat, Kai's tricking me, dude. Oh, my big time. Trigger. He needs a break right away. Flash back to middle school. <laughs> cut. Cut. <laughs> um... David, thank you for coming on the... Should I call you Dave? Pastor oh, D? What, what should I call you? It can either be... Should I call you Reverend? Mr. So, D? I, I am an ordained D. Reverend. Uh, my wife says nobody can call me Dave. Okay. Um, my brother weird. does call me that. Um, but I do uh, go by Father Dave at times, so <laughs> mm. that's acceptable, but I prefer David. David, okay. David, thank you for coming on. Yeah, dude. Um, this is your first podcast. Yeah, first like formal podcast for sure. Cool. Well, we are glad to take that virginity from you. Wow. <laughs> Brace um, yourself. <laughs> and that's a great segue. <laughs> wow. We have tons of questions for you. I highly doubt that we'll get to all of them. Um, but first, I feel like we should get to know you okay. um, and kind of talk about the relationship of this group as well as how we know you. Um, I know you through my wife, um, but also you, how long were you at Summit View? I was at Summit View for three and a half years. Okay. Yeah. That's the church right across the street from Philida. We were the noisy neighbors. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I think we had some kids like sneak over and, and do stuff behind your building during youth group at really? different points. So. No Ooh, way. Sorry about that. That's wait, wait, hilarious. like what kinds of things? Like right. drugs? I can't go there. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. Um, I used to remember like always seeing your guys' youth group like outside oh, and it was like it looked way better. battle of the youth group. We're like, this sucks. Let's go over there. But then we never did. Because <laughs> well, it's all field. Yeah. It's just awesome. Yeah. And we had parking lot to scrape our knees on. So, yeah. Well, we were jonesing over your gym. So. Oh, uh, that's fair. That is fair. That's fair. Yeah. It's, it was fine. Epic dodgeball tournament. Yeah. Lots of dodgeball. Yeah. Was it carpet? It, it was, was carpet, carpet for a long time. Yeah. And then they switched it to a decent flooring, actually. It was like a hard. Um, it was like a hard gym floor, not wood floor, but it was like a, a gym style floor. Churches with uh, that dense industrial carpeting they, that they would do like Awana on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My knees have so many like stuff. <laughs> oh, I took it seriously. Yeah. You have to, especially at Awana. Heck yeah, dude. <laughs> um, 
I feel like our paths never crossed while we were going to Felida. I don't think so. Because you went to Felida? I, I met Malia at uh, Relevant when mm-hmm. I was at their, their small little location. Yeah. I believe. And uh, I don't even know how we got to know each other. I met that. you at Relevant so many times. But here's the thing. Every time I went to Relevant, I was like, it's just another guy. Sure. Like, it's just another girl. Like everyone in the world knows Malia. And so I wait for her to say like, you should know this person. Well, I've (laughs) trained, I've trained her. I've trained her to say like, um, like, Oh, this is so-and-so and and then give a reference as to like who they are in reference to her. Um, which she did with you, Mm -hmm. but there are some people, that's how you know if you're important in Malia's (laughs) life or not is if she like gives you a context of like how she knows you, at least to me. Okay. But only because I've trained her to do that. Because she'd be like, oh, this is like so-and-so. I'd be like, oh, what's up? And then like see them at my apartment later. And I'm like, okay, so this person's important. I wish I would have given them like the time of day. Because I would Remembered go... their name. Yeah, I would go. Well, that I'm terrible with. I'm terrible with names. Greetings in general. But I would go there after work completely drained. Like after listening, like we were talking earlier, like to five Bible tro- project episodes in a row. And, and then I'd show up and she's, you know, doing her social job and is like, Hey, what's up? And this is so-and-so. And I would never give it the energy it needs. So Tell you're not, us. you're not a nobody. I'm, I'm not that. Yeah. <laughs> but you started out as a nobody. For sure. Oh, for I'm so sure. sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all good. It's all good. Kai, JB. Um, did you work at the coffee place? No. Okay. Nope, I did not. I was just one who spent my church's money there. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, okay. So you know I, what I mean. Oh yeah, you, you bought coffee. People out. You're hanging out, drinking <laughs> coffee. Oh, oh discipleship. Yeah, sorry, I was trying to make a joke. That makes more sense. <laughs> Sounded like corruption wasn't. Corruption. <laughs> well, I thought <laughs> I thought again, you meant you just spent was your paychecks not there. Corruption. <laughs> Embezzlement. Classic. That too. Yeah, I took some dates. Spent a lot of. I spent. I continued to spend money at Relevant. <laughs> what? Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, I must have met you at Heart Change. Yeah, I think so. I have no memory of that. And when you walked in today, I thought you were someone else. Oh, you were hoping <laughs> for someone else. You're nope. Like, oh. I thought you were someone else, and I stood up and gave you a hug, and you were ready for it, which is good. Okay. Hey, you you had like this super, and I was like, oh no, I don't know what <laughs> this is. Oh, thank goodness. And I and I went to old methods and went like, oh my gosh, yeah. I can't. You believe know how it is. Like, hey, good to see you again. And then I'm like. I'm like, oh, even though it's not who I thought it was, I must actually know him somehow. <laughs> there it is. I'm I'm glad we did. I've, Apparently, um, yeah. I've noticed that Kai's always the guy to break that. Like the <laughs> oh, I, remind me of your name again. Whereas like most people don't go there. Kai will go there. Oh yeah. Kai's yeah. not afraid to go. There. I don't play you, games. Me too. I don't play games because I don't I don't remember you at all <laughs> from that workshop. Oh, but, we, yeah. but when you tell me, it's like you know I can see you remembering that. Yeah, I, I just remember. I think your your younger brother was there. You were there. Family was there because yep. you were there for the brother. And and yep. uh, I was just like, oh, that's the family. Gavin's my older brother. He's your mm-hmm. older brother. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> but you're taller. Yes, yes I am. Yeah. Yes. Are you really? Yeah, I've oh, been yeah. taller since sure. like high school. Yeah, I, I don't like even know height. this guy, and I know that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, Gavin's five ten, five eleven. Yeah, uh, he he was taller after boot camp. 
because he stopped slouching. But yeah, mm-hmm. I I don't think we've ever actually formally met. I don't think so. So I mean, I was at uh, the Sunday of your heart change, but other than that, I knew of you, and then I went to um, Sparrow City. Yep, went Ooh. there a couple weeks ago with Noah and Malia. But yeah, it's pretty he much. Was like, I hate this. Was it boring? No, it was good. I had I had a dinner in Ridgefield with my buddy's family, uh-huh. so I left that a little pre-arranged. bit. He prearranged. He's like, I need it to be right. <laughs> it's a it's a Sunday <laughs> night Sorry, thing. Dudes, gotta go. Got this dinner thing. Leave right before question time. <laughs> it's <laughs> Sunday night family dinner. It's a thing every other week. That's cute. Um, That's good. But. Yeah, it was good. I liked it. It was small, small church feel, which I like. Um, kind of in the same boat as Noah and Malia trying to find another church. So, yeah, yeah. yeah it was good. Cool. What's your What's your life if in a synopsis? <laughs> My life in a synopsis. Yeah. Right now or uh, like why start wife, start to kids, now? Yeah. Like how did you give me the Instagram so many, bio? There's yeah, oh, that's a good yeah, that's good <laughs> yeah, that's good or the yeah. elevator talk. Like of of my life because yeah. I have so many questions. How did you become to be a pastor? Oh like, gosh, yeah. How yeah. did well, you meet your wife? Yeah, yeah. Like, but we'll, and we'll get to those. Okay, but to, to get the audience hooked, like okay. we're in an elevator. In an There's elevator. two floors left. You got to tell me who this you will are. be on TikTok. Oh my gosh. Sure. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, wildly out of control kid raised in a Christian home. Um, girls were not allowed to call me. Uh, wow. Couldn't wear shorts to school. Um, now is it, hold on, is, ding. is, is, gr- <laughs> bye, bye. Nice. I'm the guy that nice to meet you. Yeah, um, no, can't nice interrupt this. It's a synopsis. <laughs> so <laughs> girls were not allowed in the home because of things you had done or that was a pre. Because of what I've done, like, <laughs> you know, or what yeah, was done to you. I was a predator at the age of seven. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> My parents were very traditional. Okay. Um, I think I couldn't really tell who, whether it was my mom or my dad. Um, mom kind of ran, ran the roost, so um, they just had these weird rules. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we dress nicely for school. You wear pants, not shorts. So I literally would wear shorts under my pants, and when I got on the bus, I'd be like... Yeah, <laughs> throw them in your backpack. <laughs> throw them in the backpack. Um, but, yeah, they, they had this weird thing about girls calling that they said, <laughs> like, girls would call me. And this is like early high school, I think. Dang, no need to flex. (laughs) (laughs) They would call and my mom literally said, he's here, but he's not going to talk to you right now. If he wants to talk to you, he will call you back. Oh, no. My God. And I'm like, oh, you can't say that. Oh, no. Yeah. So my mom's a chauvinist. Um, (laughs) (laughs) If you told her, hey, I want to call them back. It'd be fine. Oh, she would let you. Totally. But did she fail to tell you they called? No, she told me. Oh, okay. I was standing next to her. Wow. I liked this girl. Okay, I carved her initials in my arm with a dart. (laughs) That's how much I liked her. That's why they weren't allowed over. (laughs) Kelsey Peterson, if you're listening. (laughs) Yes. The scar is still there. Oh, man. I L. Okay. Whip it out. Whip it out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So, so crazy rules in the home. Crazy rules. And it was frustrating. Um, but uh, 
yeah, so that was a big part of my life early on. I had ADD, ADHD, excuse me. Um, it was back when that was not as very, it wasn't well known. And so my teachers were like super frustrated with me because I'd be off task all the time. And I mean, one of my earliest memories in school was I'd get kept in from recess almost every day Dang. because I was just messing around. Yeah. And this is like second grade. And uh, my teacher, she's brand new graduate of, of teaching school. And uh, is that what you call it? Teaching school? Whatever. <laughs> sure. Yeah, College. <laughs> College. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm sitting there and I hadn't put my head down. Do you guys ever have to do that? Where you stay yeah. inside and yep. head down on the desk? Crying. I remember her. Yeah. And there was no tears. Mm-hmm. Um, just inside. And, and then I heard her call the principal and said, I can't stand this kid anymore. Wow. And I was like. And like, that was one of those moments where I was like, ouch, like maybe there's something wrong with me. Yeah. So that began the whole course of, uh, my parents trying to figure out why is this kid so wild? We can't manage him. Mm -hmm. Um, for a while they thought it was sugar. And so there was this Christmas, really, really sad Christmas (laughs) Oh no! where I went to get my stocking and my brother got his stocking and, uh, he poured his stocking out and it had the, the stereotypical orange yeah it had the lifesaver book and it was filled with candy i got mine carrots orange celery sticks walnuts oh no brazil nuts <laughs> acorns <laughs> and sugar-free candy oh no and i was like you gotta be kidding me and uh you're like, I'm going to be but, even wilder now. <laughs> to be honest, the joke was on them because it was actually the preservatives in the candy, the not, uh, the NutraSweet, that was actually made me more crazy. So, oh, really? <laughs> so their efforts backfired. But no, I ended up going to um, like a psychiatrist as like a eight-year-old. My brother got a book published about how much he hated like having me as a brother. He's like, what's wrong with my brother? And he like what? illustrated he, as, as like a nine-year-old, whatever he was. Yeah. The teachers are like, this is incredible. And he brought it to the psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist is like, we haven't really seen how the effects of children like this have on their siblings. We need to put this in print. And he, No <laughs> way. Like, cool. There's a book about me uh, being a terrible little. <laughs> what's the name of the book? I have no clue. Uh-huh. Why is my brother so mean? That's what it is. Dang. It just came to me. Why is my brother so mean? I'm like, all right, cool. I want to read this book. Um, fast <laughs> forward to um, Ritalin. Amen. Little little amen to Ritalin. Brought me down to earth, and um, uh, that I've been been on that or a semblance of for many years. So I, that was kind of my life early on. It was like just wild. Yeah. Always getting into trouble. Um, my brother was always making inventions. So okay. whether it was like a zip line or flamethrower with a yeah, book <laughs> flamethrower with hairspray. He would always come up with the big idea and then he would set me up to test it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we had, we had this massive, uh, walnut tree or a uh, no, horse chestnut. You guys know what those are? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like they're spiky. Yeah. And when they dry out a little bit, like sticking to your skin, oh. we used to have fights with that. Anyways, <laughs> we built a four story treehouse in this um, horse chestnut tree. And uh, on the very top story, he strung up this long rope and we made a zip line that went from the treehouse to the back of the house 
because my mom was always upset because we were taking a long time to get to dinner. Yeah. And so, oh man, we can make fast. It'd be great. We'll just down to the down to the house and this may or may not have coincided with uh um home alone maybe <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but in between the tree house and it was a great plan my brother's a great engineer he's he's actually an educated engineer today um it was a great plan um because as you looked over the rope you could see like it just glided right yeah from the tree house over the chicken coop um to the back door um, only we didn't calculate how, like, when you put weight in the middle of a rope, oh. kind of like we'll, we'll yeah. dip. So he's like, I set it all up, David. It's going to be great. Just go for it. And I remember just, like, leaning out with my bowl cut, just like, <laughs> to to blow through that sucker. And just leapt out, and the rope drug, and I smacked right into the roof of the oh. chicken coop. And uh, gashed up my shins. Ooh. And it was, it was a good memory. So my brother always making stuff designing stuff and always pawning it off for me to be the crash test dummy that was yeah. kind of how i made my place in social settings i would just do whatever right you know right. what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's kind of how i found my place in in social circles was fun comedy doing weird stuff mm -hmm. yeah you wouldn't know it today because i'm super reserved and introverted but it's what it is hmm so how did you get from there? Troubled child. I have a question though, because yeah, I'm curious issues. about what it's like to be you guys. Okay. Uh, did I just drive into a cul-de-sac? Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, no. It kind of felt like no. that. I was like, no, you didn't. No. Okay. Just a, just a circle okay with driveway. That. Just... Here, if full transparency. Yeah, dude. We have this list of questions to oh, ask. Yeah, you. I'm sorry, but <laughs> no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's not what that went. <laughs> I didn't. I never want to bring someone on because of one thing. I don't want to bring you on just because you're a pastor. Right. I truly think you're a very interesting person. Thank you. And I think that's why I'm so drawn to bring you on as a pastor, as opposed to like three or four of the other people that we listed in some of our creative meetings. And gotcha. a lot of these questions are going to hopefully reflect that because I think you do a lot of different things in your church that we aren't seeing today. And so hopefully my hope is if we get a big backstory in you, like really tell us good juicy yeah, stories yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. then we can see how this vision is coming to life yeah. or see what's, yeah. flourishing because of your past and and also like just to get to know you cool like, yeah so we should have told you not to take your ridlin today <laughs> and, and it would have been great with like because because bouncing off one subject to another is entertaining okay. and also takes a lot of stress off of us <laughs> yeah to be honest i put my my adderall which is now slow release mm. um <laughs> i went off for a while and i was just struggling as an adult and so i went back on it's been amazing um, cool. i put it out for my on my counter before the shower and i do not remember if i took it before the shower and so i just dealt i think i doubled up today so nice you know you, this is what you get when you when you double dose on ritalin <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was also just trying to find a really good segue okay I I find the cul-de-sacs fun mm. because then I can really work for because I could just sit here all day and tune out your story. I could <laughs> like are, are you anyone Wait. could no but are, are we talking about a metaphor? 
metaphorical cul-de-sac? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Okay. You didn't Light feel bulb. that? I literally thought we were talking we, about I, we, must be, we must be doing a, a great literal. job because he didn't feel the weird cul-de-sac. No, I didn't. I felt it. I was in, I was like engraved. He had a he had a very you. good like stopping for... point that yeah. led to another question. Okay. Mm-hmm. I had a hard time finding another question. Oh. Mm-hmm. And so he called out the obvious. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and and you used the word cul-de-sac to point that out. I did. This is a journey, right? We're trying mm-hmm. to, we're on a road, we're trying to yeah. navigate yeah. Uh, oh. through this. I don't know. That's <laughs> I'm a visual person. That's how it's going in my mind. I got it. <laughs> I did not. Just, just Kai then. Yep, just okay. me. Okay. Typically, oh, Kai's the first shit. one to get the, like the, the riddle, intellectual, like see, thought process. Stuff. I took two Riddlin today. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you just finished by your what was it you said you said you're now a very reserved like True. introverted yeah. person yeah. Yeah. how did you go from this story where your brother's like jump it like you got it you can make it to the house to well now i'm reserved i have no clue fill us in i have no clue how did how did high school end oh actually yeah interesting um so to roll it back a little bit okay um i ended up growing up in a church that um and i think this really did kind of form some of my uh, approach to christianity today okay um when we moved i grew up in lebanon oregon um, which is south of Salem. Mm-hmm. It's it's nowhere. I mean, it's got a super Walmart that went in over top of the uh, drive-in theater. So everybody was mad because <laughs> uh, half of the town was conceived at the drive-in theater. <laughs> um, they have a super Walmart now, which is great. Um, and so anyways, I grew up there. Um, my grandparents had a farm and sold off all the land. It got smaller and smaller. And so we moved down from Marysville, Washington, um, when I was in the second grade, found a church. Um, it was called Family Bible, just cool, right? Um, only it was very, and, and I liked the the main pastor, but there was like a, a homeschool culture that took over, and I wasn't a homeschool kid, right? And so um, I grew up feeling really kind of a little bit isolated and kind of judged because there was a a moralism that like there was a state, there was a mindset around me that kind of, I felt at least there was a moral value that they placed on that like approach to schooling. Yeah. And so I always felt like, um, just me, uh, as being myself, a kid who goes to public school, genuinely love jesus yeah um but didn't match up to their expectations it totally like made me frustrated and made me feel out of place and so um, this is second grade you said i mean this is second grade through high school right 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 and so um yeah it was it was really just an interesting dynamic and so i found more community outside of the church than i did inside of the church and it, and it frustrated me because I, I knew that I had a valid faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I knew that the rubric that they were using to measure my faith was not like the rubric. Right, right. That really mattered to God. Um, and so. Is there a story that goes with that? Like any time in particular. Noah, Noah hates your... homeschoolers. So whatever you can do to like, <laughs> fu- like fuel that flame, he'll love. 
support the fire that he has the, towards homeschoolers. Oh, man, it's, it's a big... It's an ongoing It's a whole theme. thing. Yeah. Anyways. Honestly, I, I think it was more like... Um, like, it was a, a culture yeah. that I was outside of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of, like... Uh, unspoken, like, pride righteous self yeah 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 do you know what i mean right they don't all the kids they don't know any better do you know what i mean um and so i even feel bad saying that Mm because everybody's doing the best it's not their fault i mean they have they're raised into it kind of yeah and so i i'm not sure where where that came from i just knew i I didn't i didn't add up yeah to the other expectations so there wasn't any specific story other than the the church was tailored for homeschooled families so um so to move on from there yes <laughs> keep going you're doing great <laughs> thanks guys i needed some encouragement no worries. yeah so that kind of just made me feel really frustrated with the church um and so at that time i i chose to go to a christian school um transferred out my sophomore year and because i wanted to go to a place where i could grow in my faith and yeah um, but when I showed up there, there was more hypocrisy than there was in the high school. And so after a term, I went back to public school and, um, and I, and I decided I didn't want to go to church anymore, um, because of the hypocrisy that I found at, at the private Christian school. Um, and I was just like, at least non-Christians and people who don't love Jesus don't pretend to at, yeah. at my public school. Right. And so I just felt more at home with people who weren't trying to pretend um, and my parents wisely in my senior year, senior, no, my junior year, um, they let me leave our family's church and start attending my own church. Dang. Um, and God blessed me with a really good friend who had a similar mindset that he was into the same kind of music as I was. And he um, enjoyed life, snowboarding, um, skating, um concerts yeah all the things that were just off the radar of the culture that i saw as the christian culture um and i found a home there and that really helped save um, my faith wow Uh, so are you still close with that guy today no not not really i mean we have over the years but it seemed like when we got married we kind of just drifted yeah last i heard he was down uh northern california at bethel school of ministry or whatever it is so it was him moving to another state that made you drift apart yeah okay <laughs> actually it was i got married i got oh. married first <laughs> um well, noah's already married Kai. so that's true there you go you know he has been sitting an inch further every week <laughs> oh have you guys drifted <laughs> no no, no. <laughs> you're fearing it uh, uh yeah there's okay. some fear yeah, in there so, uh, after high school, did you go to college? What what did that look like? So, after high school, um, I went to OSU. Um, I was pursuing a, a degree in apparel design, which was just the major that they would give me money to go there for. I think they were trying to up their males in the program because I was <laughs> one of the only straight guys in the whole program. Yeah. <laughs> My first class, they offered us extra credit to go to a drag show. And I was like, where am I? I'm a long ways from Kansas. That's, that's awesome, actually. And, uh, Did you go? 
I don't. No, I did not. Oh, I didn't. Oh. I didn't. I had a lot of baggage. How much extra credit? Who knows? Oh. I have heard from so many like straight guys that <laughs> they are the most fun things to go to. I'll never go to another one. Another? <laughs> Hold on. Okay, that's one. a story. I have, a, I have been to one. Yeah. Okay, tell us about it. Uh, it was for my ex girlfriend's birthday, so I couldn't say no. Right. Uh, well, I mean, you, you can. I, yeah, I could have. Looking but... back now, you probably you you. It's called boundaries. Do not regret yeah, boundaries. <laughs> I mean, like you think. I did leave after that because they all wanted to go to a strip club and I didn't, so I left and what? she didn't know the that difference because she was drunk. So there you go. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> it's so surprising, like how many girls want to go to a strip club with yeah. their husband. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. On their birthday. It's very strange. Yeah. yeah. That is. Yeah, wild. I went. I went home. Me and one of my buddies that was there were like, "We're not going." See you. Yeah. And then I got a phone call like 45 minutes later. Where'd you go? I'm like, I've been gone. Like, I'm at home. <laughs> like, what do you mean, where'd you go? You know what's worse is the number of husbands who'd be like, yes. That, yeah. That, yeah. 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 Anyway, back to David. <laughs> no. Tell your, tell <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta tell us about the drug. Uh, there's not really a story. I mean, where I Where did you go? Portland. What's the, what's the place called? I don't know. It's where I that... think there's only one place that does yeah. it in Portland. Did it but... make you feel confused on the inside? No, it was just like <laughs> uncomfortable because it's very, it's very weird. Like you didn't have like an ounce of fun. I mean, there was some funny parts, yeah. Yeah, if but okay. like it was just. If you didn't know they were men, <laughs> would you have been turned on a little bit? No, <laughs> so, really. So my uh, my uncle that passed away when my mom was pregnant with me was mm-hmm. gay. Yeah, and he uh, actually was a drag queen there. Wow. At that location. So there's a picture of my <laughs> uncle on the wall. Oh, no way. And, like, there was, an, there was an anniversary, like, show that they had. And my uncle was, like, on the poster board of their, like, drag queen show. Yeah, or, like, whatever <laughs> it was, the anniversary, like, showing, like, it was a picture of my uncle. Like, and, like, my whole, my, my mom's whole side of the family, like, went to watch it yeah. and stuff. And yeah, like, you have to. I was, I was underage, so I couldn't go. Um but yeah, it was it was weird in that fact of like, I've never I never met my uncle because he died before I was born, and like this is the right. only thing I I know really of him like was that he used to he used to be a that. part of this. Yeah. Just like, wow, used to put on a pair of <laughs> fake tits every yeah, night. Yeah, just like <laughs> okay, I was, and, and I'm sure and I'm sure that the uh, the main person there like knew my uncle. Yeah, because. Yeah that person's like 96 or something like that or whatever some you know <laughs> you super old you should have pulled out your your id yo chanel let me in for free <laughs> yeah except it's my mom's side so it's oh. a different last name but dang um yeah i mean it was it was a a cultural experience for sure <laughs> um it was interesting it was you know it was funny yeah but it's definitely not something i'd want to go to again like voluntarily you know yeah and I don't like Portland, so. How did we get on this? I'm so he sorry. He was at How fashion, and he was yeah. offered extra, <laughs> extra the extra credit. The extra credit. Yeah. Right, right, right. <clears throat> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think if if I had the opportunity again, I'd I'd probably go. Yeah, Just I think I would go too. Yeah. yeah. Y'all want to go on Friday? Yeah. <laughs> uh, there it is. Not with a bunch of dudes. <laughs> <laughs> like I'd go on a date with my wife if it was like a. Double date or like triple? I don't know. Then it has to be a group. Candy. It has to be a group. Well, because they like take pictures with you and stuff. Like it's a whole oh. experience. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. It's really? like going to Disneyland and like <laughs> taking a picture with like Mickey Mouse. No, I'm serious. Like, what? 
do the, they do crowd work or <laughs> sometimes they do yeah uh, like it's it's a whole show like, yeah because they do like sing-along produced and, yeah. yeah yeah that sounds yeah. very overwhelming to me as an introvert actually yeah. oh yeah yeah, yeah. i don't yeah. want to interact i just mm-hmm. so you went to college yeah at, how was the rest OSU. of college <laughs> i went to college after one term i realized i didn't want to do um design stuff and that's where i kind of shifted gears and wanted to become a pastor um what inspired like after your kind of rough start at the church oh yeah what um, inspired you towards pastoring a girl nice so my wife the lord was, works in mysterious ways i know i know <laughs> um my wife we met like that so i was going off to college and i was gonna have a good time yeah like, i had already made decisions yep it's gonna be a good time and uh the week before i went off to move to osu i met my wife rachel and i was like "Uh, i think i'm supposed to marry that girl (laughs) and as we got to know each other she's like well i'm supposed to marry pastor and i'm like (laughs) are you sure (laughs) so i kind of just like played the long game and just kind of went along with it a little bit like "Ah," but never really wanted to do it i always had a dream of living in seattle and just diving into the um uh, sort of that lifestyle up there what does Um, that mean well i i had a dream okay i had a dream um (laughs) of living in one of the high rises there i just loved the city and so i wanted to do design stuff in the city design like snowboarding gear yeah um and my wife knew that she was Canadian. We were driving up to visit her parents at one point and we'd been dating each other for, you know, six months or so. And she'd gotten to the point we'd kind of dialogued, like, I don't think I want to be a pastor. So, but I know I love you. I want to be with you. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I like you too, but this is really important to me. And we're can driving I, through. Yeah. Can I pause real quick? You say, I love you and I want to be with you. She responds with, I like you too. Yeah. Okay, how the, far like in, verbatim? Like that reminds oh, me of a lot of my relationships. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I haven't drank a drink. <laughs> yeah, been there, been there. How uh, how far into the relationship was this that you were driving up to Canada to meet her parents, or again to see your parents? Again? Yeah, again. So, I mean, this must have been. Oh, you said six months. Six months, I think, because we were engaged after six months. So you know how the story goes. But, um, we're so going you... through Seattle. She knows how much I love it. And I'm just looking at the skyscrapers and loving it. And she's like, um, hey, just so you know, like, if this is where you want to be and you don't want to be pastor, you want to do art, I still, I'll, I'll be with you. Dang. We just, it's important to me that we're super involved in a church. And it was really interesting because honestly, I was like re- seriously giving pastoral ministry a thought. Mm-hmm. The thing that held me back from it was like the financial element. Uh, my dad was a small business owner. We were always struggling for money. Mm-hmm. I did not want to have money issues right. when I grew up. And so my grandfather, Baptist minister, similar issues. So I was like, no, I, I don't want to do ministry. But I always like cared about other people's spirituality, like my buddies and stuff. Anyways, so I was wrestling with it. Um, and I was like, do I want to be a pastor or do I want to marry her? I don't, that's not going to be enough to sustain me. Um, if I'm just doing it for her, right. Um, that's not the right reason to get into it. And so when she said that, um, even if you just, you know, want to be non-pastoral, just follower of Jesus, I still want to be with you. 
I should have been excited because that was like, cool, I'm going to marry this girl. Yeah. Which was great. But what really struck me was how in that moment, how much I wanted to be a pastor. Dang. And so it was like the absence of the pressure actually made it clear. And so. um, Because then you realized your desire to be a pastor wasn't bound to her requirement of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so um, from that point on, I just changed my um, plans at OSU. I wasted the second half of the Mm -hmm. year on scholarship, just doing snowboarding classes and (laughs) going to bachelor and having a good time, but shifting gears. Um, And so Rachel and I, we got married um, six months later and uh, rolled from then. And so, uh, yeah, I went straight from kind of high school, got married at 20 and 12 days old. Um, I knew my dad was bald and I was like, dad, bro, <laughs> how old were you when you started losing your hair, man? And he's like, Oh, I was 25 or something like that. And I was like, Oh man. Okay. You- and so I was like, I'm going to marry the hottest girl I can find. Before <laughs> I'm 25. <laughs> also, I haven't seen you without a hat yet tonight. Yeah. No way. Totally. Bald. I wouldn't have known. And I shave it. It's great. Okay. Um, the first time I shaved my head, I was, we were, when we lived in England. Um, hold, wait, 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 you wait can't, what? Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, finish the story and then we'll dive into that. <laughs> you can't just drop that like that. <laughs> so subtly. Yeah, so back my, when I my, lived my in my England. Wife is as, my beautiful wife is asleep. Um, She's, she's there <laughs> and uh i was i was watching the hairline pretty closely like yeah. oh no like it's starting to go like and i was just getting self-conscious about it i was doing ministry at this point um and i found myself when i was trying to communicate about the gospel on stage i was distracted wow by my my head stupid and i was like it's not worth it and so yeah. <laughs> that night I went home without telling my wife and shaved my head. Nice. Like, bald. She woke up the next morning. She was like, what in the world? Freaked her out completely. Yeah. She still holds it against me because it was like waking up to a different person. Yeah. No, I think that was good. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was good. I think that's what you needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're not going to wake her up in the middle of the night. No. No. Not for that. And was this in England, you said? In England, yeah. Did, did okay, you, you got to get to yeah, England now. Um, <laughs> so connect you driving up, deciding to be a pastor, then finishing out college to be a pastor, to moving to England. Did not finish out college to be okay. a pastor. Dropped out of OSU. Right. Got married. Because right. that's a super good idea. Because we were Christian kids and we wanted Mr. to do naughty things. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> of course. Um, so, and I know there's a question here about purity culture. We'll get there. Yeah. Yes. Will we? We have not hit a single, single <laughs> question. We will. We will. We're going to. <laughs> We're going to. How long have we been recording, JB? How long have we been going? 50 minutes. Okay. Wow. <laughs> okay. Wow. We got this. We got this. Okay, first 10 was just BS. And let's get the England story. And then we'll and then let's dive into the well. As soon as we get to the England story, he's gonna be like, "Well, so then after I, after my time in jail from killing I lived that in one Af- guy, Africa for yeah. four years, <laughs> he's, gonna, he's gonna throw another." Okay. Okay. All right. So <laughs> married, uh, want to be in ministry, and my wife is pregnant. Okay. And so I was gonna go to school. She was gonna work. 
but she got pregnant and got super sick. Yeah. Like could not hold down a job because it was just so bad for her. Hmm. So I went and uh, got a job at like a construction or concrete block factory, like wow. Greystone. And so I was stacking block all day and uh, just like, God, get me out of here, please. I want to do ministry. And I was just seeking the Lord, just studying scripture, all that. Um, and long story short, um, we had a friend who had moved to England and did ministry there as a missionary youth worker. You go there for a couple of years, you get an associate's degree in youth ministry, and um, you get an exchange for working at a church. And so we did that uh, in 05 to 07 and a half. Um, we were in England, had two of our four kids were born there. Um, absolutely free. Thank you. Um, not a socialist. Wild. Um, not a socialist. <laughs> um <laughs> So that's when we were in England. We did, I did missionary youth work there um, and came back in 08 and got hired on at a mega church in Salem Mm -hmm. as a youth pastor without my degree. Uh, Hmm. Salem, uh, sorry, uh, Morningstar. So South Salem. Okay. It it was, uh, it was the church that sent us on the mission field as well. So sounds a lot like the name of a cult. Hmm. Morning Star. Oh, did Feels you know like that's a, that's a name for Satan too in the Bible? Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and Jesus. Weird. There's. It's interesting. <sighs> depends if on you, who you. Depends on who you ask. What's the um? They just they just what's the podcast? They do a podcast about this mega church. That oh Mars Hill. The Rise yeah, of if you said Mars Hill, I would have been like, all right, this needs to be a two parter <laughs> episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you. Get on staff no, with this we, mega church. We finished. That's England. That's it? We finished the England story. Oh, okay. There you go. And and boom. Oh, I want to get to. I want to get to current. And then, and then you and then you hip hopped a few churches. And here you are. Eight now. years of youth ministry slash college ministry at this church. Okay. Yeah. Um, church planted in Corvallis for a couple years. Wow. Huh. Um, and then moved to Vancouver. And got on with Summit View. Summit View. Yeah. And then recently left Summit View. Left Summit View 2021. Okay. Early, early. Mid-pandemic? Mid-pan. Dang. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, and I said, you know what? People are wearing masks. Nobody wants to be together. I want to plant a church. Dang. So that's that's what we're doing. We're we're building a new community of people, and it's been a really cool experience. It's kind of up to today. Today, yeah. Talk about it. That's a uh, perfect segue. Yeah. Which bit? Uh, All of it. You know, let's start with, should a church be built for the outsider or the insider? I actually really appreciated that question, to be honest. I, Firstly, the church is for Jesus. The church is his bride. Um, secondly, um, I believe the church is intended to be, um, if we're talking about the organization or the people, the church is supposed to be for the outsider, you and me. Like, we're supposed to be sent to the outsiders as a gift. Right. What we do as an organization, that's a completely different question. Hmm. What we do as an organization is we should essentially be, in my belief, for the believers. Um, there shouldn't be, in my opinion, um, church isn't necessarily gatherings where we get together. Church and the structure is is intended to be a space where people become their fullest version of themselves 
So it's intended, in my opinion, to be a place of refinement, a place of strengthening, a place of um, empowering individuals, and for it to be a place where people can both experience comfort but challenge at the same time. And so, in my opinion, I think the church... um, I think the seeker-sensitive movement did a disservice to the church. Because right now, um, we have a lot of people who are in and around the church. Well, previous to the pandemic, um, post-pandemic, tons and tons of churches are like, where's everybody at? Nobody's coming back. And so, um, what we had, as uh, I love Mark Sayers, you guys followed the... um, uh, this cultural moment podcast. With I've heard John of it. Comer. Yeah, I've heard of it. Um, brilliant guy called, uh, Mark Sayers. He's a pastor in Australia. Um, he, he said that what we need to realize as we see the church in America shrink, he's like, I don't believe that it's a, um, I don't believe that it's an issue of less people are following God or Christians are falling away from God. He's saying it's a crisis of spectators. So people who show up to church as spectators Mm -hmm. aren't showing up anymore. Right. But those who are truly contenders, they are continuing to press in. And so for me, it's, it's a little bit of, of going, all right, the seeker sensitive movement really drove to get, just get people through the doors, make the expectations as low as possible. So it's as easy as possible for anybody to just wander in, tolerate this music that's not as good as cultures (laughs) and this pastor who sort of knows what he's talking about and can kind of like keep me interested sometimes. Yeah. It's like the, the greatest endeavor of the Christian church in the past generation. Well, at least in the latest um, iteration, I saw a lot of like, Hey, how do we stay relevant? How do we keep in the game? as opposed to how do we actually bring the kingdom here? And so in my mind, I think a lot of the efforts have just gone in the wrong places in the wrong um, direction. Um, as far as how churches are built, um, a lot of energy resources has gone into trying to attract people, um, where I, I just don't see that as the core purpose of the church itself. Right. Um, especially if you're attracting things, people from, um, material elements, it's like, Hey, let's take the God of the, of the area, like materialism and consumerism, and let's utilize it to try and like convince people that, Hey, you can have it all and throw in Jesus. It's just created a a culture that, um, it's an oddity to find people who are passionate and who are determined to follow the Lord. Um, and so um, without winding on too long about it, I, I, I really do think that there needs to be a reformation of what we're doing with our resources, with our time, with people. Because a lot of the experiences that I've had in the past, it's been a lot of filling time. It's been a lot of trying to just keep up with what's expected. Yeah. It's, we're trying to, you know, meet expectations so that people stick around. And that's an oversimplification. Like God has done great things through it all, but I just feel like there's been a lot of, um, 
wasted energy. Um, Paul talks about um, uh, training himself as an athlete in First Corinthians, and and he says, "I don't, I don't box as one who's boxing the wind." And, and I just get this picture, you know, like before a boxing match where these two guys are ready to fight and they're like yeah. pumping the air, right? Yeah. I just, I feel like a lot of what the church has gotten into is just pumping the air Yeah, where we're flailing and we're throwing a lot of punches. It looks busy, but it's making no contact either with the heart of God or with the people who need to hear it most. Dang. Wow. This, this little like speech that you gave just now, that was the speech that hooked me back at, um, Church. Oh, downtown! It's uh, the building downtown. Union Chapel. Union Chapel. You remember that night? Yeah. Um, that was what hooked me. Malia was like, "Well, it's like go to this thing. It's kind of like a, like a pitch meeting. Like they're gonna pitch the idea <laughs> of this church." I and I was like, <laughs> "Okay, like I'll give it a go." And and that's what sold me. Hmm. Like everything that you had said that night resonated. And then I looked around, and you brought up um. Danny, the pastor of um, Kessid. Kessid. We had been going to Kessid. The reason we left Kessid is because nobody had said hello to us in mm. like the first month or two of us going. Uh, and for my wife, for me, that's fine. I'll sit in the back row all day. <laughs> it's a perfect church. But for, for, my, <laughs> for my wife, that does not fly. And so to see him even get up and be because I really respect him as a as a pastor as a leader as mm. a human being yeah um to see him go up and validate like everything you said i was like all yeah. right let's give it a go let's do it let's yeah. jump in having him and adam Hendricks there was yeah was a big deal yeah him too um because it's a it's a lonely thing to to try and and do something different mm -hmm. and it's a seldom thing when you find people who don't see it as competition but they see <laughs> it as kingdom and I would say that they have a similar mindset as you do, wouldn't you say? Like, especially Kessid, I would say. They're yeah. they're pretty, like... Like, we were going to Kessid when Danny's father or mother died, like, just recently died. Like, he... I think his dad died on, like, a Monday, and he still got up on Sunday and preached. And he didn't preach a message. He just told a story about his dad. Um, but it was very, very impactful. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. I think there... Um, I know Adam from years ago. Mm -hmm. When I was planting in Corvallis, we were a part of Waterhouse Network, which was a think tank of like-minded pastors who talked about issues of race and justice and, um, and the church and mission and the kingdom. And so when I moved up here, I already knew that they, um, it was house of Providence at that time. Yeah. Um, but we were able to connect and, and just get closer from there. But both of those dudes, they've been so instrumental over the last year. So, yeah. Um, you kind of just told us it, I'm skipping to number three. Um, is that, would you call that like your market analysis of the church? Like, why did you choose Ridgefield? Why did you choose the way, I mean, you kind of already talked about it, the way that you want to start looking at church and this group of people. Um, did you have an age group in mind? Did you have 
Uh, so Richfield, we moved there. Um, it was a place that was reasonably priced when we moved to town. Uh-huh. Um, we moved here to work in Philida, which is super expensive. Yeah. And so um, Richfield was just the place where we could find a house that had enough bedrooms for all of my four kids. <laughs> and uh, so, but we, we always kind of wondered like, God, why, why aren't we ministering in our own town? Because right. that's us. We love to do that type of thing. We're local. And, mm-hmm. um, and so when, when we were in the spot where we were looking around going like, God, what next? Um, it just, my wife and I just started praying about it and we were already reading the Bible with some other people and just like studying the Sermon on the Mount. And, yeah. um, it, it just made sense. We were like, I think we're supposed to, to plant here. Um, what leads me to the, the way that we're doing things? Um, I'm tired of wasting my energy building somebody's kingdom on earth yeah and building out somebody's philosophy that's like complex it sounds great it's awesome but if it's not the philosophy that jesus has in mind i read in scripture that whatever's not of the kingdom is going to be shaken and it's going to fall away and so i don't want to waste my life boxing the wind anymore yeah and so that's where we leaned in. One of our first values that we kind of wrestled into was um, simplicity. Like, what does it look like if we were just to strip away everything? And we were not going what to, if, what if we did a church that it didn't matter if anybody came to it because it looked good? What if we built a church that actually was just good at making faithful disciples? Mm-hmm. And so um, that kind of led led me to kind of just looking more intently of going, okay, what's, what, what's clear, what's on Jesus's heart. And so use utilizing the love God, love others and making disciples in the world. We've, we've kind of just gone like, Hey, let's keep it as simple as possible. Um, let's keep as most, um, you know, politics and organizational system, like keep it at a minimum so that we have, um, maximum freedom to be able to move as the spirit moves Mm -hmm. because we can over engineer the church in a way that we don't have to listen to the Holy spirit anymore, where we spend all of our times praying for God to bless our ideas instead of praying to understand where God is already moving. Yeah. So it's, it's, that's more wasted energy. You know what I mean? Um, and so my heart was just to remove as much as possible um, so that there's as much fluidity. Um, the illustration that came to my mind was um, my mom uh, grew um, tomato plants. Um, and tomatoes, they get, you know, they're huge sometimes. And so when you get a bunch of fruit on it, if there's no structure around it, the plant will actually like drag and fall to the ground. And so what she would do as many others would do is she would uh, put those little cages around it, but the cages are super limited. It's not like a wall around it. It's like minimal. And so there's structure there, but only enough and in the places that are needed the most to support the plant. Um, When I came, I came from like very complex churches. Like I said, I was a part of a couple of larger churches where people came in, um, where people came in with expectations and consumerism. Um, we, 
instead are wanting to keep things simple and intentionally focus on a few things and do them well instead of many things and wear everybody out. So that's a really good segue into what are your Sparrow City. I I just want to say like your church. Is that wrong? That's wrong, right? I I don't know, man. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's not your church. Was it your idea? Um, what the, the church? church? Yeah, it was a. I mean, it's it's been in my heart. You know what I mean? Yes. Did did yeah. you say to some of you, I want to start a new church? Uh, I let them know that I was starting a new church. Yeah. Okay. So so the church is your brain baby. Yeah, it actually started a couple years ago, or f- probably four or five years ago. Um, I started doing it. We were outgrowing our campus building because it's tiny in Florida. And so I started doing a 6 p.m. service only, um, as you know, I was a missionary in England. So missionary life is a different approach than church life. Um, You are very clear on what you're there for. You know that you're not supposed to be making home. Um, And there are these sacred moments where all of missionaries would get together for like a dinner. And it was like reflecting on what God had been doing, like challenges, prayer requests. Like there was this beautiful, warm intimacy. Um, And if you guys have been on missions trip yourselves, you know that there's like family nights, you know what I mean? Right. And that essence of, of unity in shared mission. That was my vision for this 6 PM service. And so instead of having like more production oriented, we did more acoustic, we did circle, um, chair set up. We had Q and A's after the service. Um, and it was just built for engagement rather than um uh consumption um and that was really where my vision started and god so god gave that to me like three years ago um and then COVID happened and so um really i got a taste for what i believe that church is supposed to be it's not intended to be something that you provide for others it's actually something that should be used for discipleship Hmm. so that kind of goes in a little bit to what the church is trying to accomplish by what we do. Um, is it cool if I drop into that? Yeah, that was a great yeah. transition. So <laughs> the, one of the, one of the slight differences is if you were to show up, you may see a few differences, but really what I've done with our, um, with our core community is we threw out like all expectations and said, Hey, you know what? We're not going to try and meet any expectations we're going to design this to be truly for the believer. And so, um, I realized that in our area, people are very busy. Um, and so kind of the market analysis is like, people are exhausted. They are trying to do one more thing. They're trying to fit in their spirituality with their busy lives. And you can either make something that's a good product that you can package, freeze dry and sell. Mm -hmm. Um, or you can actually make that time used for the good of the person. Um, not that like production oriented churches aren't for the good of the person. Obviously they are, but are they, I'll speak about myself when COVID hit and I was no longer able to be like, to, to mediate 
the Lord and scripture and like to be a shepherd hands on with people, I realized how um, incomplete a job what I was doing in forming disciples of Jesus by what we were spending our time on. So we were doing, we were working a ton, working right. super hard. We were trying to keep like professionalism, excellence. Like we we're trying to make sure that our music didn't suck. We were trying to, I was trying to make sure that like my messages were interesting and intellectual, yada, yada, yada. Yet when the community and the church like disappeared, like the structure, we couldn't do what we were doing. Mm -hmm. I saw so many people struggling. Right. I saw that, um, although the seats were filled, we were, we did a huge building campaign right before raised a million dollars for a new building. And, um, um, so we had full seats, but I looked and I, and I saw how are we actually, um, preparing people to thrive as followers of Jesus in the world. Mm -hmm. and um, the difference of what we actually walked them through on a Sunday to what their life would look like on a Monday was so vastly different that we're like walking them through these rhythms, come to a space, sit, watch, listen, yeah. sing if you're brave, like, hey, like squeeze out a few extra dollars so that you can feel good about giving and contributing um, we're, we, we did all that, um, tried to keep expectations low so that anybody would feel welcome. Yeah. But what that produced was, was not what, um, what I was hoping it was and not what I was assuming it was. The full seats gave a false vision of the discipleship depth and the effectiveness of our work. Yeah. And so I really think that post COVID with people not returning or wrestling, there's a lot of people who are just like, is that really worth my time? Right. Like, like, I think that's a question that's being asked. And so I'm just honestly with our approach, I'm trying to honor people's time and say, Hey, if I, if I am able to influence you and create a space for one and a half hours a week, I want to build it in a way that's going to prepare you to be equipped to walk out Monday as a follower of Jesus so that you don't show up Sunday next week feeling like shit because you failed again. Yeah. Like I would rather start lower and go, Hey, let's be practical. Let's be real. Let's be simple. And let's actually focus on what Jesus really cares about. Because there's a lot of Christians who are holding themselves to standards and expectations and the preferences of others, and they're wasting their energy trying to check boxes that Jesus is paying no attention to. Um, if you look at the Old Testament, when and I believe it's Isaiah, um, like he's like, your your offerings, I don't want them. Like I don't want the blood of bulls. Like I want you to um, pursue justice and mercy. Like. I would so much rather you live out this beautiful life right. than like show up with these things that are actually not really they're You're doing them, but it's not touching my heart and it's not really transforming you. Mm -hmm. So just readjusting how we're using our time so that it actually is creating, hopefully, um, successful, um, faithful, 
equipped um, followers of Jesus for the world, for the sake of the world. So that's that's what we're trying to do. What are um, <clears throat> some start t- clapping like that? <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> what are what are some tangible ways that you're doing that on in that one yep. and a half hour period? Yeah, tangible ways. So we actually have a liturgy that we've designed. It's out of scripture. Um, and so you have different churches that do the liturgies and they follow the cal- like the church calendar. That's not necessarily what I'm describing. Um, liturgy is how we design our service to actually communicate and um, accomplish a greater end. So if you if you're to look at um, the the story of uh, God in Exodus three, I believe it is. I might be getting that wrong. Um, it was in my notes that I lost um, <laughs> that, that section it's Israel is enslaved. They've been there for a long time in Egypt and God comes to Moses and he says, um, I, I have heard, I see the pain that they're in. I hear their cries and I know what they're experiencing. Therefore I will send a rescuer. So there are, there are four, four components there, seeing, hearing, caring, and acting. That's how God actually demonstrates love towards us. It is a personal, like, I see you, you're valid, and I care about what you care about. And not only do I care about it, it actually, I'm allowing it to impact my heart to the degree that it's going to make me change or act Mm -hmm. towards you. And so... I feel like we need to look at how God loves us if we're going to model how to love him back. And so our whole service is built around those, those four components. We start each service by acknowledging that God is truly here, that he truly sees us and that we acknowledge his personhood. He's not an entity or a force to be appeased or navigated around or manipulated. He is a person to be loved Mm -hmm. secondly we we try and take time and we'll hear scripture and so we stand as the scripture is read and we'll go okay god we're listening for your voice and as the word is taught we're listening for the holy spirit Um, in that discussion period it's it's helping people after each sermon i'll do a 25 minute sermon sometimes longer um and then we'll do a discussion where people can ask questions to refine say hey i think i heard you can you clarify? And then there's just, it's open discussion and it's not just me answering. Sometimes my wife is up there. Sometimes others in the congregation are asking questions. It's really a space where people can interact with the information because somehow the information has to go below the shoulders into the heart because we don't want to just hear scripture says this, uh, although you see, you are not seeing. And although you hear, you are not hearing. So we can actually see and hear but not be affected by it the word shema is the idea of listen but it's a listen with an intent to act based upon what you hear and so after the discussion time we'll take a moment where we pause in the holy spirit and just say okay god is there something that you're speaking to me today so that becomes personal what am i hearing from god and that's like this meditative lingering where we care and if we truly care about God and what he says, it's going to affect our actions. The, the fourth component that we, we wrap our services up with are 
uh, giving, communion, and worship, which are action pieces. We see communion as a place where it's a rededication. It's like, God, again, I take my life from you. I trust you for my sustenance and all of me. So as they approach the table, it's like a, yes, God, I'm still faithfully following yeah, you. Yeah. Um, and obviously the giving piece is a tangible action of declaration that you're, you've overcome consumerism, yada, yada, yada. Um, and then the worship element. So those are the pieces that we're walking them through. And I don't want to run on too much. <laughs> you're good. You're doing great. Okay. You're answering questions on this list. Why is, okay, so <clears throat> why? So I have to answer the question. Why does it matter that I spend 10 minutes of our time helping people to pause before the word is preached, before they sing, to see God? To be honest, I want people on Monday morning to stop as they're reading the word and to go, God, I see you. Mm-hmm. To open scripture and go, God, I, I hear you to pause in themselves and go, God, what are you saying to me? And then to let that love actually take action in what are you asking of me today? Because love in the philosophical realm is nice, but love enacted, that's what God is after, that loyal love, the agape love. And so we're actually teaching people how to love God because we there's a lot of times where I've sung, I love you, Jesus. And I'm like, kind of not really. Right. Yeah. But it's just like, I'm supposed to. Thanks that I'm not going to hell. <laughs> right. Like, right. But, or, or like, um, like, oh, God's so good. And then you look at your life and you're like, why am I singing this? Yeah. Like, I don't actually believe this right now. Right. And so we have to cultivate a way of being present to God. Because what what Satan would love is for us to just walk through the motions, honor God with our lips while our hearts are far from him. And so we're trying, I'm trying to design a church that has, that doesn't have boxes to check that are separate from what the heart of God is, Yeah, that we would love God, love others and make disciples. And so just forcing spirituality to engage the heart and do whatever we can to kind of make it not just something that you can shut your brain off to. JB or Kai, you want to fire off some questions at him? Yes. Um. <laughs> what What's going through your head right now? Well, I forgot what I was even thinking about, but uh. I really loved the the four ways you showed God showing his love to us. It was he he sees us, we are valid in his eyes. He hears what we say and and cares about us as well. Uh cares to the point at which it impacts him as well. So what impacts us impacts him and he cares enough to make a difference about it. Like holy moly, that was really profound and it makes me makes me question myself are you sure you didn't finish college <laughs> like <laughs> i went back and finished uh, okay and i'm currently a student um under uh, gary Brashears, and his teaching is is transformed like 
that and going to a Simeon Trust, which has taught me how to study scripture in a new way. Um, those have been breakthrough things. Hmm. So that was actually a piece that he gave me when my wife and I were going through some really tough marital stuff. And he just said like, Hey, here's the way to love your wife. See her, listen to her, care about what she's going through. It's good. And then act in accordance with that. Hmm. That's how you express love. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And it, it, it just changed. It changed the way that I was interacting with my wife. Um, because I just, every, we're all, we're all, we are all brought up in these broken social systems where we parrot our parents or we reject what our parents did. Right. And we try and create our own adventure. Um, but to have these maps or like rhythms that allow us to walk more faithfully and it's, it's been helpful for me. Um, and the same thing applies when loving one another, like for me to love you, I can't do that unless I look you in the eyes, put my flipping phone down, <laughs> listen to your words and believe that what you have to say is actually significant enough for me to open up my heart and leave room for you to impact me. Most mm. of us, I'll be honest. Some people are empaths. Um, I think I heard that you're an empath. Is that right? Um, in uh, one of the previous podcasts. I don't know. Probably or maybe your maybe. wife is. I don't know. I don't know. Um, are you an empath? What does that mean? You feel other people's emotions. You can. You, you take you, on you, other no. people's You emotions. allow other people to affect. No. Oh, I think that was me. Is that you? Yeah, no. It might have been. Yeah, no, it's not that way. Sorry. His wife oh, no, will come home like, Just I had the that. worst day today. Well, I had a great day today. I'm in a great mood. <laughs> Want to watch you know, a funny movie? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a running joke that like, I often tell, I'm not sure if you've heard this. Um, like I have, my wife and I's communication could always be better, but I think it's very good. And the example that I use is um, my wife will come home from like, hanging out with friends or I'll come home from hanging out with my friends. She'd be like, Oh my gosh, like I'm so excited to see you. Did you miss me? And sometimes I'll be like, uh, <laughs> no. When did you go? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and when I tell people that they often like, Oh, what? You can't, you can't say that to your wife. Like, are, I'm like, are you kidding me? And it's like, no, that's like our relationship. Like I can tell her like, no, nope, I need a few more hours. Like you're, driving me crazy you were like mm -hmm. I just need more introvert time man like yeah i'll get to you in a second yeah so i mean for people like you and me like we can stroll through life and like to be honest i'm i'm up i'm up here mm -hmm. a lot of the time yeah even when i'm hanging out with other people right and you could be having a bad day and i'm like cool that's your thing like i'm not yeah that's on you <laughs> <laughs> like i got enough emotional pain going on in here to deal with without yours and so it's really brave actually and sacrificial for me to sit across the table from someone and go like listen i got my own stuff but man oh you're so brave i i know, <laughs> I know. for me to go i'm not only going to give you my best attention but i'm actually going to allow this person to affect yeah, me yeah. and impact my mm -hmm. heart and my thoughts. Um, that's next, that's next level. Um, it's, you're not just listening to give them a pad answer to get through the right, conversation. Right. Um, and then to actually hold that person's concerns and go like, okay, 
if I really care about this person, what does that look like in mm -hmm. action? Um, I think we've forgotten how to interact with one another and be human. Like we were designed in God's image to be relational beings. And part of relational life is truly like loving one another where you see, hear, care, and act towards each other in line with that. And uh, I feel like we're, we're building some good walls and we're finding a lot of space that we're, we silo off mm -hmm. because it's too complicated for me to deal with somebody else's pain and drama. So, um, yeah, that, that forms a lot of kind of the, the basics of our um, discipleship um, is interacting with God and others in a human way. Um, I refer to it as the way of love. Um, and that includes those practical pieces. So, yeah. Hmm. JB and Kai, I've crossed. Oh, I guess you too. You have the questions list. I've crossed <laughs> out number one, number three, and number five. Cause I feel like you've already hit those. I've crossed out number two as well. Yeah, I can do that. I think mm -hmm. uh, number two is why doesn't God speak to me? I think, I think that was, I think a, you hit that good. His, the way God loves, I think was a huge answer to that. Mm -hmm. Um, Can I just say one thing quickly? Because yeah, I did yeah. have something about yeah. the speak to me thing. Oh, please. Um, and it is quick, I promise. Um, <laughs> You're fine. So I think some people are called to do certain things. Because um, the, the in parentheses is right. Mormons get a letter a letter in the mail saying go. Mm. So this is like, I'm supposed to move to Ethiopia. Yeah. yeah. That thing. Or England. In, in, yeah, or England. England. <laughs> Jolly old England. <laughs> um, yeah. And sometimes, I mean, it. Sometimes it comes through prayer. I think God speaks through peace when you go, I kind of want to do this. Um, but I also just want to throw this out there. I think generally speaking, people are called to be a certain way, not do a certain thing. Hmm. And so when I um, stepped back from my role at Summit View and took that year to kind of just seek God, I still was like, I'm a pastor. And whoever I'm around, I'm going to care for them. I'm going to claim them. I'm going to love them um, because that's what I'm called to do. God, point me in the right direction. Right. And if you don't give me any clarity, I'm just going to do it where I'm at or I'm going to move to where I want to go. And you got to lead me. If you want it to be more specific than that, let me know. You know what I mean? So it's called to be a certain way. Right. The picture that I'm painting in my mind is like you're not called to run the farm you're just called to take care of the sheep hmm. like hmm. and everyone's like maybe you're on a big farm with yeah. multiple people taking care of the sheep you just get a smaller bunch for the time being and i leave it to god because right the lord says he gives and if you're faithful with little he'll give more if not who, who and who's to measure whether what is much right or what is little right right 50 people who are apathetic and nominal in their following of Jesus and just showing up walking through the motions. Is it, is that better than 12 fully committed followers who mm -hmm. like, they're just determined to make Jesus known. I, I don't know. That's God's. Yeah. Know? Right. And I just get to be the way he made me to be where I'm at. Hmm. All right. Um, this kind of ties into one of Noah's questions already. Which is, 
what are your thoughts on born again virgins uh, born again virgins <laughs> uh, I, I just thought it would be a light-hearted fun <clears throat> question this was part of my baggage with the church we went to this um joshua harris i kissed dating goodbye thing oh mm-hmm. yeah uh, there are so many crazy christians around i was just like can you explain for people that have absolutely no idea oh my god i don't what know what that if I is can. so there's this guy josh harris okay. um shout out no uh, longer well, follows Jesus. Uh, let's not shout out. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, let's not. <laughs> um, he actually is part of a pretty phenomenal family. I've met his younger brother um, through the Simeon Trust as well. They're bright. They're homeschooled. Um, and so the dad made him like read 20 books every summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's freaking frustrating. Um, for us public school kids who are like... Read on one through. book a yeah. year. <laughs> I didn't read the book. I just copied from my neighbor. It's cool. It's called group learning. Um, I had a the worst minus. education. Yeah. Um, so where was that? So this he he wrote a book. I believe he was teenage years. Um, wrote a book about how he kissed dating goodbye because dating is destructive. It's hurtful, and he's not gonna um, do it in the typical way. I never read the book. I haven't thank, either. Thank goodness. Um, saved those brain skills for something else. <laughs> um, I, I was invited to the thing because it was one of the seldom events that um, I got invited to for that. And so we went and uh, it was at this massive church. And it was funny because uh, he came on the stage and he had his fiance with him. I'm like, kiss dating goodbye. <laughs> Are you joking me? Like, what the heck, dude? Yeah. Obviously, I hadn't read the book, but... Um, I just, the I just did like, not like. Well, it. now, now I'm courting. That's what the book is. It, yeah, it's Pretty like much. you, in, yeah. it's you, you're turning yeah. back the clock. You're doing things in a different way. Um, yeah. So, but I knew, and there had been teaching in our church. One of the pastors came up, and he was like, "Every time he dates somebody, and he had a heart made out of cray paper, and he tore off a bit of it, and he's like, you give a bit of your heart away.'" <laughs> and then he like. <laughs> Had this teeny little wrinkled piece of junk left. He's like, is this what you want to give to your spouse? Oh, my gosh. And this is Atawana. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and I watched. I sat back. And I, I dated girls all day. <laughs> and I was a sinner because of it. Um, <laughs> but I watched. There was there was two. His daughter and another kid ended up courting. Yeah. And I watched. And they courted. They courted the heck out of each other <laughs> with their parents around. Um, and then they broke up and they were destroyed. Yeah. And I'm like, tell me, how does that have any different effect on your own heart? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Than a dating relationship. It's like now you're breaking up with an entire family yeah, instead of exactly. one person. <laughs> and so for me, I was always like, this is, this is bs it's it's yeah. stupid yeah um but it did did have some effects you know what i mean like one of my girlfriends that i was serious with um she wanted to have like a purity ring and she wanted me to have a purity ring too and i'm like oh yeah that sounds cool <laughs> can we still kiss uh, <laughs> once and it'll be awkward um, <laughs> so for a while i was wearing this purity ring and i'd made a decision i was like yeah i'm I'm gonna save myself for my spouse. I can get with that. I see that in the Bible. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but 
purity culture had, had that way of going like, and that's the sin, the unforgivable, yeah, no going back, yeah. And I know there's like the virgin D again, and I won't go into that, but um, that really affected my wife and I. And I've asked her permission to share this, but she was raised a missionary kid. She made the same decision. Yeah. And um, in the course of us dating, we crossed some lines that we had decided that we weren't going to mm-hmm. unless it was with our spouse. And so actually it really spoiled like the whole engagement thing. Cause I was like, well, I guess, guess we're getting engaged. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so there was this dark background on, on our beginning of our marriage that made it right. really, really, um, uh, just difficult. And, um, I, I think that really started us off on a pretty, a little bit of a rough trajectory. And so, um, we've both gone like, yeah, I felt pressure. Um, but thankfully we've, you know, uh, we have a great marriage now and, uh, we've you got kids and got, a family and yeah, you can have kids in a bad marriage, <laughs> but we're happy. Yeah. We're happy. Right. Right. We don't feel Noah. Noah thinks kids will be a bad marriage. So he's like <laughs> far as possible. It'll change things. No. <laughs> yeah. So that's the effect that it had on us. Okay. There's this inanimate pressure. Yeah. To. Yeah. What? I'm going to get personal here. You can say no. You can choose not to answer. And we'll just bleep it I'm out. not going to tell you what we did. If that's what you're going to ask me. <laughs> what, are you, <laughs> what are you teaching your son? You said your son's 18. Yeah. What have you taught him? What are you teaching him? Um, teaching him faithfulness to Jesus, which is um, pursuing his wife. Mm-hmm. Even when he's dating current girls, um, I'm straight with him. I'm like, dude that she's probably not your wife that's somebody else's wife yeah so you need to think about her as your sister right now and so um just encouraging him to um conduct himself in a way of honor and dignity and i i won't share his story but um uh, yeah he just got out of rehab a year ago sounds like his story it's his story um and so um it's been a journey with him you know and just coaching your kids along my daughter had her first boyfriend this year and it freaked the heck out of me a rage came (laughs) that i didn't know it was from it's like yeah so jb you got the next question um so I had a question earlier and I kind of lost it, but it has to do with um, <clears throat> the younger generation. I've hear I've heard people like concerned about church's future and the way that um, younger generations aren't being able to connect into churches as well as, um, you know, middle-aged people or, you know, you'll see a lot of churches that kind of cater to older, um, older individuals what do you what are your thoughts on that and how how i guess do you try to or do you guys try to make sure that um everyone of all age groups are welcome and feel um like they're being catered to yeah so um the idea of 
uh, we're, we're actually trying to push against the idea of catering. Mm-hmm. And I know that was just a word you used, but mm-hmm. we're intentionally trying to lay a foundation of simplicity and non-consumerism. And so the philosophy behind what we're trying to do is we're trying to cultivate disciples. We're not trying to do a bait and switch. Um, where, uh, so it's going to resound with some people and it's not with others. And we have to be really diligent to go like, Hey, I don't think the church is actually the best agent to reach the next generation at this point, like structured church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I think it's, I, I agree with that. I think it's like <laughs> Honestly. faithful young disciples mm-hmm. going out, caring about their friends and cultivating yeah. community mm-hmm. and introducing people to Jesus. And so we need to do a better job of discipling because we've done a good job of entertaining but we've sent our kids out into the world kind of ill-equipped. Like for a long time, people resisted questioning, like don't question your faith, you know, just, right. you know, don't, don't read that book. And it's like, Whoa, like, you know, that your, your kid is going to be in huge danger in four years right? because they're going to be inundated and everybody's going to be, they're surrounded by your family right now. This is the time to have them wrestle. Yeah. And so I think church needs to be more of a place that um, creates a place for people to wrestle. We need to be known more for creating space and less for drawing lines. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I hope, especially with the, the young teens that, our time of, of, uh, interacting and questions that, that normalizes like wrestling with your faith, because we're going into a new, uh, time in, in the Western world where, um, Christianity is not going to be a de- it's no longer the default, like philosophy in the world. And, um, we're fooling ourselves if we think that, um, doing what we've always done is going to actually equip our kids to be empowered to stand fast mm-hmm. in that world. So we have to shift our approach and get a little bit more raw and a little bit more um, a sense of urgency to, um, yeah, focus on really building strong wrestlers, not just people who can agree with what we want them to. I don't know if that answered the question or not. Yeah, it does. I mean, I definitely think the way that you guys are, you know, going about creating disciples, but also the whole thought process behind it. I mean, that fit might not be for any age group, like certain individuals based on what they, what their heart hears and is open to is going to depend on what they're going to get out of a service with you guys. Um, That can change. I mean, it could be a difference between a 14-year-old and a 75-year-old. You know, I mean, everyone in between, depending on where their heart's at, really just... Yeah, I think so, too. (laughs) I should should not show him the whiteboard. You have to continue. Well, I thought it had to do with that. I'm sorry. (laughs) But, yes, that answered the question. I'm like, I'm so sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. We have to be less reliant on program. We've trusted in program, and it's failed to produce 
what can only be produced in relationship. Um, and so that's where our church, the simplicity element comes in. We don't have programs to uh, necessarily reach certain demographics. Mm -hmm. We have what we call contending communities. So we're, we're known for three things. Uh, faithful communion with God. So we're people who want to we, stay close. The Sparrow Church? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, faithful communion. So we want people to love God well. Um, and we want people to be in contending community. I've been a part of community, and it's lame, dude. I hate a community <laughs> group every week. Oh, they're going to talk about the sermon. They're going to hash out these questions, talk about the pastor's words. And it's just yeah. like, did we get through the questions? Oh, we got one more. And it's just like, introvert. <laughs> whatever. I so, suck at community, too. I hate it. But just a forced, like, outline of, yeah. it, like, the checkbox yeah. items that yeah. you're talking about, sure. right? Yeah. I would much rather have people have dinner together and then share how it's going that they're, how is it going in their relationship with God? Like, are they seeing God at work around them? Have they been hearing him that week? No? Like, okay, why don't we lay hands on you and listen to see if God wants to speak through one of us to right. you? right. So it's just, we're, we're focusing primarily on, um, uh, not programs, but people being sent out to the world through spirit led, um, compassion. So yeah, that's, that's our philosophy. Um, it's been, it's, it's exciting because it's, it's free. People can run rampant, you know? There's not so much structure like around the tomato plant where a plant gets stifled and it like isn't able to grow. If mm -hmm. the spirit's moving that way. Man, yeah. if only there was a parable in the Bible about that. Hmm. <laughs> 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 you know, if if there's if the church if the spirit's moving a direction, how does the church support what the spirit's doing? Rather than we have to have a children's program, we have to have a women's program, we have to have men's, hmm. youth. Okay, do we have youth? Okay, what's happening among the youth? Do they need us? No, there's a group that has been meeting since last summer called Spikeball in Scripture. And 80 high school students have been getting together. Whoa. There is no church. There is no adult leadership. They open the Bible and study Scripture. That's the Spirit of God moving. And church after church has approached them and said, hey, come on. You can be a wow. part of it. Come on. Like, yeah. how, how can we help you? And instead, we're going, okay, we have students who are part of the leadership. How do we empower them and equip them to be agents for the kingdom there and entrust them to the mess? Some, pe some people are like, we need an adult. This is getting really... Uh, it's like, no, dude, don't get an adult involved. Right. Mm -hmm. You'll ruin it. <laughs> in in like a marketing sense, um, oftentimes like when an artist is approached by a larger company and says, hey, we want to buy your song. We want to buy the rights to this. We want you to join us. Usually means that whatever they're going to offer you is a lot less than what you could be doing on your own mm. where you're at right right then and there. Yeah. It's kind of the same way, same like ideas. Like I don't think any of these church churches intentionally want to ruin this program right. or structure this program or try to get their hands in this melting pot of 
a bunch of hormonal teenagers mm-hmm. just trying to figure out life. Um, but they've got it. Cynical like, me, honestly, cynical me because I've seen this happen. God's doing something. And I've been on the negative end of this. I'll be, I'll confess that. <laughs> like in Salem, there was a worship gathering that was taking place. Lots of people went there and I'm like, Hey, what church association are you guys with? Like, this seems weird. We have to ground yeah. them. And like, how can I help you? Yeah. And I, I was tempted in that season. And this is one of my regrets to want to be a part of the success and what God was doing so that I could feel a part of it mm-hmm. and ownership of it. I wanted to put a stamp on it that made me hmm. battery died. On this? Oh, mm-hmm. it did. I'll change it real fast. Keep talking. <laughs> okay. Um, and that's when I realized it, it just grossed me out. It grossed me out that I was trying to forward a kingdom of my own making instead of the kingdom of Jesus. And I think that's one of my biggest fears is I don't want to lead people to spend themselves resources, energy, um, to forward an agenda or a vision that I'm not absolutely convinced is in line with the heart of God. Um, one of your questions on here is, um, why do people get burnt out? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude, it's because man made vision. Like you have people who are come up with these plans, leadership. We ask the world to, we ask the church to move the world to accomplish our vision and where the vision of God or the vision of the pastor is not in alignment with the heart of God. It requires the effort of man and the energy of man, which is very limited. And so if I'm, trying to make sure my vision doesn't fail so I don't look bad I'm going to drive the people under me Hmm. and I'm going to have high expectations and people are going to sacrifice because they love me Hmm. and people get burned out when they give everything and they see it was for nothing they see it's wasted or it meant nothing to the person that they sacrificed for and so I think there's been a tremendous broad range um, uh, a misappropriation of the energy and resources of the church and a lot of it's gone into trying to um, build bigger stages and hire uh, more exposure for people it's we've we've normalized this um, I don't know this celebrity pastor thing and so everybody feels like they have to make their mark and it comes on the back and by the blood of faithful followers who want to be a part of something. And so I grieve over how much the last generation, um, there's, I, I, I think that's a lot of some of our parents. They're a part of a generation that they spilled their blood um, to accomplish the attractional church model. And, um, in the end, it didn't deliver upon their promises, but it cost them greatly. And so they went and saw, like, that's what full investment in the church is. I'm out. And so it's just a wasted energy and a frustration there. So I think that's that's one of the key things is um, just unrealistic expectations and misappropriation of energy. 
do you think an, another one of the key things would be that marketing toward production value in churches? Yeah, honestly, churches weren't made to to be um, a consumable. Uh, yeah, it, it's not intended to be a product to be um, produced, packaged, and shipped. Like that's not what the church was intended to be, um, and so too much of the business philosophy and the metrics of uh, a successful business have been just superimposed upon uh, the church, which is supposed to be an, orga- organizi- an organism living and vibrant. Yes, it's got to have structure, but if it's got the wrong goals in mind, you're going to be spending people's energy on things that God's spirit isn't moving towards. For those of you watching, we just <laughs> lost Kai's camera. I don't yeah. know how. I don't know what's going on. Uh, JB's going to figure it out. He's going to try it out. Yay. Trying to figure it out. Thanks, Jim. Um, we're at like two and a half hours. Is that right? <laughs> two hours? <laughs> Let's rapid fire some of these. Um, we covered volunteers. Yep. Um. Actually, this one might be a bit longer, but I think it's important. Yeah. Um, number six. I'm asking this. Where are you? Everyone's getting up. <laughs> okay. Musical chairs in here. Where are you going, Kai? I'm going to chair. Kai's going to JB's chair. Come on chair. over to We're the just party couch. Come on. Musical yes. chairs here. Um, David, I want to ask this question from the standpoint of the mass of people. Um, I love Jesus, but his bride slash people are hurtful. What do I do? So I think this asked in a different way would be um, like, why does God let bad things happen to good people? Or why does like, why does God let, um, I don't know, maybe it's two different questions, but in my head, they're kind of combined into one. Why do good things happen to bad people? Why did the Holocaust happen? And then, like, why should I want to be a part of this hurtful group of people? Hmm. So, Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <And the> church. <laughs> I just compared the church uh, to Nazis. <laughs> Thank you for drawing that conclusion. Yeah. Um, Kai will get canceled because of it. <laughs> Thank you. There you go. A little bit of theodicy. Uh huh. Um, Just leave it. I mean, you could pull the illustration, to be honest, where there's shared propaganda, <laughs> where everybody agrees upon a message. Yeah. And then there's a tolerance for mistreatment of those people who don't fit within. Um, I, I could, I could. How much do you want to get into this? Because there was two questions there. How does? Why do bad things happen? Um, and why are, why is there pain in the church? Right. Yeah. Uh, give me a satisfactory answer for both. That would, that would completely, I don't know. This sounds really weird to me. What would eliminate the argument of, well, like God, let, you know, Nazi Germany happens, so like I have no purpose or interest in going to church. 
or for the other question like ah well this this youth pastor one time he touched me and so like i'm never going back to church yeah. I guess those are kind of extreme examples of like the day-to-day person, but that's kind of the lines I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, part of it is um, not going to be so satisfactory um, in a spiritual sense or satisfactory in the worldly perspective. Um, part of it has to be um, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Like you have encountered Jesus and you know that um, even though the disciples are messy, mm-hmm. you know that Jesus alone has the words of life. You know, like in the Gospels where Jesus says, unless you eat my blood, eat my, my body and drink my blood, you have no part in me. People jet. And he looks at his disciples like, are you going to go too? Mm-hmm. And I say, yeah, this is weird, but <laughs> <laughs> who, where else are we going to find the words of truth? You alone. Um, and so that should drive a hunger and we have to realize that, um, there is the tangible presence of God. He delights to inhabit the praises of his people. He delights to draw near through the word preached. He delights to, um, uh, demonstrate his goodness through the body of Christ in a way that apart from it, um, a person who loves Jesus, it's going to be like, you're not going to lose your faith, but you're going to live a life of a very malnourished spirituality and Mm -hmm. unsatisfying spirituality. And I think that's where a lot of people are. They're like, I don't know if that's worth it. Cause when I was there in the church, I didn't experience the goodness of God. Right. I didn't see people looking like Jesus. And so one of my convictions is when the church ceases to look like Jesus, the church ceases to be good news to the world. And so there needs to be a massive reform where we take seriously what it is to love and um, faithfully walk with one another. Um, uh, So that's one element. The, the element of of why are, are things, how, how can I follow a God who allows bad things? The only way that I think about that is um, we're, people in society aren't asking so much um, at this moment, like, does God exist? That's not right. What, that's not keeping people up at night. It's more so, okay, is God even good? If he's real, like, mm-hmm. what the hell? Right. Is he good? Why did he let that happen to me? And we have to um, really press into that and recognize through the biblical narrative, like, how does God's faithfulness show up? And so through it all, recognizing that God does see us. And it's, a, it's an act of faith of going like, God's. I don't see God moving right now. Uh, Israel was in Egypt for 400 years, Right. And then God heard their cry and he saw their pain and he cared and he sent. Yeah. And so God's love is not an inactive love in the prophet um, Habakkuk. uh, The prophet says, uh, God, your eyes are too holy to look upon evil. Um, 
and uh, one of the girls in my youth group in England came up to me and this this is what put put me on the trajectory of like pursuing like deep knowledge um, she's like if God's too holy to look upon evil then why was Satan able to come into his presence in the book of Job and I was like <sighs> Damn, that's a good question. <laughs> I was like writing letters to different people, like, what yeah, do with this. And so that really lit the fire. The whole, all that story to say, God's too holy to look upon evil within action. God is moved by the plight of man. Yeah, He is moved by our cries. We don't always get to see His timing. We don't always get to see what else he's trying to work through. When um, Israel was crying out in Egypt for 400 years, they're like, what the heck? Where's God? Do you know like why he waited that long? It wasn't because he's like, I don't care. Blah, blah, blah. Well, he was what, waiting. Oh, go ahead. I mean, they were growing in population a lot. True. Right. I mean, that's my instinctual response. Mm -hmm. So there's a swelling um, outside of the Israelis' knowledge or the Jews' knowledge at this point. They'd already been promised the promised land. Inside the promised land were the Canaanites. And we're told that God says, I was waiting until the time of their evil was complete. So all the while that Egypt is growing in population and then eventually turning into slaves mm -hmm. um, and genocide. They're like, what the heck? God is like patiently waiting, hoping to see like Canaanites turn and repent. He's hoping for return. We're told in, in the new Testament, um, God is not slow as one who is slow to fulfill his promises. He, he, he desires that none would perish. And so the only reason that Jesus hasn't come back and established like true justice on the earth is he is still waiting to see more people come to Christ. So our suffering and his delay in bringing that fiery righteous yeah, justice yeah. is actually mercy. So our suffering is making space for other people to have space to wrestle with God in hopes that they will find him. And so that to me is, is, is compelling enough for me to go, okay, there's a purpose to this uh, space and time where evil happens right. before your justice comes. You have an intention behind it. And I have to believe that you see me and that you hear me and you care and that you're already moving my direction. You're not waiting. You have an active love, but I don't see the timeline. Dang, that's pretty. I've never heard it put like that. That's good. Next question. Um, I guess we can kind of wrap up the episode with these questions. The rest of them. Um, do kids crying during the sermon distract you? You ever want to yell at them or yell at their parents? And, and these are rapid fire. Yeah, start rapid never. fire. Never. I, church's, church's family. It's a great mm. reminder to me that I am yep. not all that. <laughs> when I'm on stage, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That's it. You ever want to yell at your kids' parents? Uh, at my kids' parents? Yep. 
No. So his wife? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I, 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 I welcome the wrestling. Mm-hmm. I, I want, I want, if you have, what would scripture say? Like a dirty bullpen means that you have a bull. Yeah. So I'll take the dirty bullpen. Where does it say that in scripture? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere. Um, I, I believe it. Maybe what books Buddha. are you reading right now? Uh, yeah, reading. So uh, just finished. We're going to link these in the description yeah, below. Yeah, finished um, A Church Called Tove by McKnight, Scott McKnight, which. Um, wow, that's a name. It's uh, a treatment on um, what true goodness is. When God says it is good in creation, he means like delightful. So what does a church look like that God would go delightful? And so that's, that's been part of the helpful uh, rubric. I'm reading another one called um, when the church was a family and uh, what's the author of that one. That's a great book. It talks about the toxic uh, individualism and how that's kind of morphed what group identity is supposed to look like and what true family as church look like. It's really intriguing. I think he, the author's out of Talbot. Um, Let's see. Yeah. Hellerman. Um, And I've been nursing um, the patient ferment of the early church um, by Kreiner. And that's basically just how the church grew in history. Um, I'm also reading a book by Henry Nowen, um, the Genesee journal journal, I think it's called. Um, and it's just, he spent six months at an abbey and he acted like a monk and wow. just journaled all that he learned. Um, yeah. And I already referenced the Plantanga one. I'm always in that book. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, in one s- sentence, Question eleven: Should I date a godly man or I was woman? Gonna say number nine, but yeah, and uh, let's skip number nine. Oh my bad. You want to skip? You're that good. One? You're good. Yeah. He kind of covered it. He's with, covered like, it. Everything the entire, yeah, else. Entire episode. Yeah, I, I kind of had you know crossed that one out. <laughs> uh, question eleven: Should I date a godly man or woman I do not find attractive? Treat others as you'd like to be treated. Do you want to be attracted? Do you want your spouse to be attracted to you? <laughs> Yeah, you do. Oh, <laughs> you do. <laughs> you do. Oh, <laughs> uh, see, I thought of it like, okay, so let's say she doesn't find me attractive. <laughs> I'd still I'm want so it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last one. She's like, let's turn the lights off. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the last. <laughs> The last ones are fan questions. These are questions that you did not get to prepare for. Hmm. Um, They are not conjured by us or our close friends. They are by others. And do your best to answer these quick. Um, (laughs) Why does evangelism feel predatorial at some times? Oh, gosh. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking about, like, going on the street. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So... (laughs) I used to take I used to take eighth graders on missions trips when I was a middle school pastor. I'd take them to the mall and I'd be like, "All right, I want you to walk around and pray, and ask the Lord to show you who He wants you to share the gospel with." Here are your five points. You're you're dead in your trespasses and sin. <laughs> and then I would colors. watch, 
as these sweaty palmed poor children <laughs> poor children were fed to the lions yeah they walk up to these people and be like can I, t- can I tell you something and they're like no <laughs> okay. she's like i i believe in jesus and you're, you're gonna die and without him you're gonna go to hell and, and they're like checking off the little boxes yeah and like yeah. i got through all five and they're like okay bye and then they walk away and i'm like whoa okay as i reflected on that dude that's me too when when i am trying i'm like convinced i need to share the gospel with yeah somebody. just yeah. get through it Oh crap! Oh crap! Oh crap! Say it! Don't make it weird. Get out of here as quick as possible. <laughs> That's so like neo legalistic. It's like, oh, why? It's so one sided. Yeah. It's all about me doing what I have to do so that I don't lose God's favor. Dang! Get in. Get out. Are you happy now? <laughs> I'm gonna go buy a scratch card. You know, it's like that's predatorial, dude. It's yeah. like that's not Jesus at all, right? So I don't know if that's what the question was about, but maybe I feel yeah. like it's just like aggressive, and it's about you and not them. Yeah, I like that answer. And if I think about evangelism, I mean, of course, shout out to Jesus because. Did he? Yeah, I mean, he he seemed to have a much more relationship-centered focus Mm -hmm. on it. I mean, people would come to him all the time, and he'd answer honestly and and whatnot, and truthfully. But but he had a huge relational aspect to those who he was intentional with. Yeah. So, next question: Uh, Do you believe the staff structure of the church in America is biblical? I don't know what you mean by that. Whoever that is out That's there. That's all I got. <laughs> um, I can guess if they're talking. at Catface Twenty Two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what you meant by that. I mean, like, you know, there's a head pastor, there's a board, there's no, people don't really use the word deacon anymore. And then we go look at First and Second Timothy, and it's like, oh, Paul has a very specific idea of how this church conglomerate is supposed to look. I assume they want you to compare those two. Gotcha. So I believe in deacons, elders, um, and body. So three groupings of people, each one of them equally valuable, each one of them called to submit to one another. So actually in my church, um, our elders will submit to the board of deacons who oversee justice and stewardship. They will focus primarily on those things. The elders are entrusted and the deacons will submit to the elders in the area of vision and teaching. And the body will submit to both as they lead, but elders, they submit to the body. Deacons submit to the body in service. Servant leadership is submission. It's lowering self to elevate other. It's putting the other person's needs before it's less to do with power and control and more to do with entrustment of responsibility and so i think it needs to be more dynamic more flat um, a, a greater division of power and so intentionally i'm not on the board i sit in on board meetings and i give them the advice from my the elders right um 
so that they can make wise decisions that are in line with the vision. Um, and so dividing out the power and truly trusting others to make the call, like the board, they made the call about my finances and I'm going, Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I trust you with that. I don't want to think about it. Um, but we have, I'm those broke, two, but okay. <laughs> we have those two, we have those two values of, Hey, it's your job to pursue justice. And I get that from um, Acts 6 where they said the widows weren't getting treated fairly because right. so there was some injustice taking place. The Hellenistic widows were not being represented. So I say, hey, make sure every person is being treated fairly in the church. That includes my family. So that's your job. Hmm. And you're in charge of stewarding the resources, the bread. So kind of keeping it in that space is helpful for us um so that that's what i prefer i don't think it's ever a good idea to have um kind of your one guy making all the calls and everybody else gets in a line that's just it's not gonna work yeah (laughs) jb do you want that last question sure uh what is the dumbest question about religion you've ever been asked that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That completes the list. Um, I'm going to send this whiteboard. I'm going to send you a picture of the whiteboard. So you can send me all the links to Spikeball and... Scripture. Scripture yeah. and books and authors and all that good stuff. Um, so I'm giving you homework. All right. <laughs> um, thank you for coming on, telling your story sharing with us your vision and your church where can people find the church if they're like oh my gosh this guy has me hooked what website do i check out where do i go when's it happening where tell me all about it yeah Plug so everything. Um, you can you can check us out on um our website spiritcitychurch.com um gives a a basic outline of, of what we're about and where we meet, we meet in Ridgefield, which is north of Vancouver, if you're not in the Washington area. Uh, we meet on Sunday evenings at four. And uh, yeah, it's it's a great time. Um, we're also on Instagram, same name, um, and Facebook. Cool. If you do that. Oh, I'm sure lots of people do <laughs> Facebook. That's all. <laughs> um that's all I got. We Anything appreciate else it. Yeah. For the final words. The audience? No, this you want to cool. plug your personal Instagram nope. or anything else? <laughs> no, thanks. Unless you want to contract some art. I do. Oh. Side hustle. Art or tattoos. Oh, there you go. Oh, that's what I wanted to bring yes. up. Yes. Uh, what, what about people who tell you tattoos are sinful? Dude, read your Bible. <laughs> you do not make any markings on your skin. That's, well, not any markings. There's a there's scriptural evidence to support it. Yeah, uh, you can dig up anything in scripture. Jesus himself true. has a tattoo with a name written on his thigh when he returns. It's true, but it's different. <laughs> Be more Christ-like, Kai, and get a tattoo. Ah, uh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> could could you, David, do a tattoo for me on my thigh? Right now. Okay. Upper thigh is the preference. Upper the better. <laughs> <laughs> David, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Um, I know that there are a lot of people that will enjoy this episode, as did I. Yep. Awesome. Thanks, guys. JB, what's happening next week? Oh, yes. Please fill the audience in. My for dad, those that are still listening, two and a half hours in. Yeah. Uh, 
My dad's going to be on. He was on on the 100th episode along with my sister. Um, going to try to dig up a bunch of old stories of my dad. So, Write in questions. <laughs> yes, write in questions for my dad or sister. Should be a good time. We'll uh, little throwback to the 80s. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, be sure to check it out next week. Au revoir.